You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, August 27th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, the most Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or, of course, the big one, the big daddy-o, Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for. Uh, we'll be talking about that in a little bit in a second. But also, if maybe uh, you've been depressed with how the Padres have been playing lately, maybe you're more into pop culture and watching TV and movies on the side, well, you can find my work on some of those topics at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Film Cred, and more, and hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, this is the most important part, guys. Like, seriously, most important part. You can check out and follow Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I'll do my very best to uh, answer them on the show. Um, I'm actually thinking of doing a mailbag soon. I think a a sadness, misery, cloud show tour mailbag, I guess. So start sending me questions, I guess, over the next few days. I think I'm thinking of doing one like maybe next Friday, uh, to be honest with you. I think next Friday would be pretty good. It marks the beginning of... A series against the Astros, so that should be uh, very interesting. So start sending me them some questions, DMing me, uh, tweeting me stuff on Twitter, uh, sending me five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app, and if you send a question in the review section, I will definitely answer it on the mailbag. So next Friday, tentatively scheduled another mailbag, uh, the sad cloud show mailbag, I guess you could say, with what the Padres have been. But guys, today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Uh, download the app and join me tonight. Actually, hopefully you'll hear this in time. Tonight, at the beginning of their game against the Los Angeles Angels, which begins at 9.38 Eastern Time, going to be talking for the beginning of that. And I think it should be, I don't know, pretty fun. So check me out on there. Add me at Javier Reyes, J-A-V-I-E-R-R-E-Y-E-S, and we'll talk some good old Padres baseball and regular baseball in general, whatever you want. So uh, for today's episode, guys, we were just recapping last night's game Uh Kind of giving my my state of mind on the Padres, I guess, in general. Uh, we'll be doing that as well. And then I'm going to be talking about Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams and just kind of the future of this team and kind of looking at the trade deadline in retrospect. Because I think in retrospect, it's interesting. And, and I think I've told you guys before, I wrote about the, the trade deadline over at Just Baseball. I wrote about Manny Machado recently at Just Baseball. And I kind of basically said, you know, it's still a good team and that being a wildcard team is nothing to sniff at. But now they're not even doing that. You know, they're, they're just not even capable of that. They don't even look like they deserve the wild card, to be perfectly honest with you, the way the Padres have been playing for the last, like, month or so. And it's 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 really rough. It's really rough. And I think that, you know, looking back, you look at the deadline differently, believe it or not. I actually think we look at it a little bit differently. But um, let me tell you, uh, last night reminded us of the tragedies of the trade deadline as the Padres lost by a score of 4 to nothing. The starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers was Max Scherzer. He goes 7 and 2 thirds innings, only allowing 2 hits, walking 1 batter, and striking out 10, lowering his ERA to 2.51 on the season, a whip of 0.88. The Padres, uh, the only ones who managed to get a hit in tonight's game, Manny Machado, Trent Grisham, and Victor Caratini. Uh, Grisham actually makes a blunder early on in the game, which I tweeted about, uh, diving for a ball in center field. And then he makes a really great catch later on 
uh, in the game, as uh, was said by MLB. I like their, for all my Ted Lasso fans out there, they were like, Trent Krisham, the independent, you know, instead of Trent Krim, the independent, if everybody knows Ted Lasso. Uh, it's just, and also, by the way, the Ted Lasso discourse is just out of control, I, I, I must say. Everybody's like, it's like no one's ever seen a show go from an S-tier show to just a B, you know, and everybody's losing their mind, you know, and it's just, it's just kind of frustrating that people like, don't know how to have nuance. You either got to hate it or you got to love it. It's like, come on, guys. But anyway, that's besides the point. Although, to be honest with you guys, I, something tells me you guys wouldn't mind me talking about just Ted Lasso for the rest of today's episode, just based on how bad the Padres have been. Um, in this series, they get swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers, obviously. And what's so frustrating is that com- combined in all of these games, they managed to muster just nine hits. It's like nine of 90 or whatever the total at bat number is. And and that should be thrown into context even more, considering that they had a 16 goddamn inning game on Thursday night. You know what I'm saying? Like that has to be thrown uh into, into the, the into context as well. The Padres can't do anything. Like they cannot it is a team completely devoid of energy. It is I mean, it's been kind of well documented that it hasn't been a Slam Diego team this year. They're not hitting the same number of home runs. They're not having the same slugging percentage with people on base. They're not driving guys in. But they weren't, like, atrocious for a good amount of the year, right? You know, you start off the season, they just couldn't hit for for squat. Nobody was on. Even Machado wasn't on. Tatis with the errors in the infield, and he wasn't on. And it, it was just rough at the beginning, right? Tommy Pham was a disaster. And now they're just kind of right back to that. You know what I mean? But minus the consistent pitching. You Darvish in the game last night, I should mention, he goes um, six innings, allows four earned runs on five hits, walking one strikeout six. I actually didn't think it was that bad, all things considered, that he was going up against a Dodgers team that has been on a roll lately. They add Trey Turner, their lineup is fully healthy, plus he's coming off the IL. So while I know that technically raised his ERA to 3.8 and he hasn't been good in a very long time, it's frustrating with you, Darvish. I actually didn't think it was that bad of a start, all things considered. I thought he fooled some hitters on a couple pitches. I thought he was all right. I, I really did. I thought that you, Darvish, actually looked decent last night, but it wasn't decent enough to give me hope that he might return to his ace-level status because that's another low-key thing about the, the Padres season that I'm starting to wonder is, heading into next season, they still have you, Darvish. He's not getting any younger. Is this a sticky stuff thing? Is it something that he can adjust from? Or did we buy on this guy basically we didn't buy high on him from the Cubs at least I don't believe but it is true that we kind of you know we got a veteran and a veteran who was built to maybe only last for a year and a half or something like that and he hasn't been that so like I said thank God for for Joe Busgrove but anyway um so you Darvish I didn't think was that bad but I mean even Kevin Acey mentioned and it's like it doesn't matter if four runs is not a lot when your offense is it just won't hit they just refuse to hit everybody in this lineup is just kind of dead I mean, I'm watching, I mean, in fairness, Joe Kelly threw a very good pitch at the end of the game to Tommy Pham, which, granted, it's not like we were going to start a rally or whatever, and you guys know I despise Joe Kelly. I think he's a punk. I think that everybody praising him for his thing against the Astros is one of the big farces in baseball. Like, I'm not praising the Astros right now, but the way he did the mocking face, I know it's a funny gif, but, like, it's just kind of dumb because you're throwing at someone's head, and I just don't agree with that, like, bottom line, like... If I'm Carlos Correa, I'm I'm being like, yo, what the hell, man? You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be upset about it, and I'm not a punk for being upset about it. For a lack of any better words, I'm sorry for using uh, not the best vocabulary there, but yeah, I just can't stand Joe Kelly, and he throws a wicked ball at the end of the game to get Tommy Fan. But even still, like, just to see him sit there and take the strike, it's just been, 
it's you can't blame any single player for being bad anymore. And and I, I did tweet about this about how Eric Hosmer, you know, went 0 for 7 in the Thursday night game. And I, I do think that it is fair that I bring up like someone replied like, hey, Manny Machado 0 for 5, Cronenworth 0 for 4, whatever. Like, that's a good point. Only reason I, I did it in full acknowledgement is because it's a lot more fun to make fun of Eric Hosmer uh, online, especially. But Hosmer really hasn't even been the worst player on the team. He's the worst situation on the team long term and for the future that he's getting paid as much as he does. And the fact that we basically have to always play him at first base and that he's not a great first baseman. It's just not there's so many areas of issue with uh, Eric Hosmer. While you can complain about other players on the team, it's not like they're getting paid big bucks and or that they're going to be with the team as much longer, like in the case of Tommy Pham. So it's really rough. I hate to watch this team. Um, The only common... I mean, Craig Stammen last night was nice. Goes two innings, doesn't allow a hit. Walks one, strikes out two, which was kind of cute. It was nice. Uh, And like I said, Trent Grisham had that nice catch. But it's a disaster, and it's not going to get any easier. And I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the future of the Padres and stuff before I get into Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams because I ended up talking about this game a lot more. But before we get into that, guys, let me talk to you about the best protein bars in all all the land, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm talking, of course, about the Built Bars, all right? Not only are they soft and easy to chew, covering 100% chocolate, they've got a great variety of flavors, everything from coconut to German chocolate to raspberry cheesecake, or not raspberry cheesecake. Is that what it's called? Raspberry cheesecake? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's uh, it's very good. It's one of the new flavors that's coming out. And they got all sorts of new flavors that pop up every now and then, like Grasshopper Cookie, Rocky Road. Um, you know, they, they've got everything. That's what I love about them so much is that they got a great variety of flavors and they all taste great. And most importantly, they're protein bars, which means they are healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs so guys what are you waiting for go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right ladies and gentlemen hopefully you're all feeling great on this friday because i'm not based on how the Padres have been playing and i just want to talk a little bit more about how the Padres have been playing so just and i need to emphasize i mentioned how eric hosmer really hasn't been as bad of a player as everybody else. And I'm going to bring up just a couple numbers on that. Like, ever since the trade deadline, which I count, I genuinely count as the beginning of when things went bad. I know that the Padres weren't playing elite baseball before the trade deadline. Like, make no mistake, they were they were struggling against some bad teams. But in fairness, they were still kind of winning every now and then. You had the, the series against Washington when they scored 24 runs in a game. Like, they were going up and down, and I know they didn't beat all some of those bad teams as much as we would have liked, but they were at least showing that they were going to be a wildcard team. You know what I mean? They were playing like a wildcard team. You know, nowadays, you look at the numbers since July 30th, the only player... Uh, I mean, in terms of the guys that consistently play, so not including Hassan Kim, who we'll talk about in a second, not including Jerickson Profar, guys like that. Um, in terms of the Padres' main kind of crew of players, since July 30th, um, the guy who has the big, the best WRC plus is Will Myers with 130, which is actually kind of uh, phenomenal. The reason that he doesn't necessarily lead the team in war is probably because his defense is not the best in the world. Although it's not killing the team, make no mistake. The person's defense that's hurting the team a lot more out of everybody is probably Eric Cosmer. But, um, you know, in fairness, first base is a little bit weird when judging defensive metrics. But anyway, um, and you'd probably be surprised to know there's three of their main guys have a WRC plus below 100. Manny Machado with a 79. 
Adam Frazier with a 55. 55. And then Tommy Pham with a 43. A 43! A 43. And, I mean, you could look at some of the numbers. Eric Hosmer has a super high BABIP at 323, which suggests that he's probably due for some sort of slump at some point. Not that he's been going through the roof. I think one thing that's been good about Eric Hosmer is been, he's been taking a lot of walks. 355 on base percentage since July 30th. So he's... He's at least making up for it in that respect. So, yeah, every, he hits everything on the ground, and he has to get lucky with the fielding of the ball. But at least he's been taking walks, so it really isn't all on him. You know what I'm saying? It really isn't. Now, I know we like blaming him, and he is not a good player. Let me be very, very clear. I'm not defending Eric Hosmer. I, I think that he's been a disaster of a signing, and I think that he's gonna he's crippling the Padres and might cripple them for years to come, and that's why you saw all oh, those reports of him trying to— uh, AJ Preller, I mean, trying to move him at the deadline. But you look at the rest of the team. Trent Grisham, 104 WRC plus. He's been slowly getting back into it. But then you have moments like on Thursday, which I forgot to mention, when it's an in extra innings and then he bunts on the first pitch, which I actually disagreed with. I actually thought they should have just let the guy swing. He's come up in a couple decent moments for us recently. Clutch singles out of the past week or so. And he also had that three run home run, which I know he ended up losing that game against the Rockies, but I would have rather let. Uh, Trent Grisham hit. Although that being said, I don't blame that. I have a lot of beef with Jay Singler's decisions lately, but I don't hate that one. You know what I mean? It's not his fault that Grisham bunts a lollipop to Justin Turner and then that's an out automatically. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not really uh, his fault. But then you look at guys like um, Jay Cronenworth. His slugging has been awesome. Isolated power, actually, of 276 right now. So he's been very, very power based lately. Slugging of 529. Um, so he's been like okay. And he's not having that bad of a slump. What I like about him the most is he has had those big home run hits like he had against the Phillies and stuff. But you look at the rest of the team. Let's talk about Adam Frazier. All right. Let's talk about Adam Frazier. Since July 30th, he's batting 233 with a 283 on base and a 279 slugging. I mentioned this on Thursday, but that first pitch swing that popped up another lollipop to, I think it was the second baseman in the extra innings game, drove me over the edge. Adam Frazier seems to have taken it offensively that people believed in him. He seems to be insulted that A.J. Preller said, I know this is your first ever like breakout season, but I think it's kind of legit. Even if it's not ultra legit and you're not going to hit 350 for us the rest of the way, I still think you could be a solid like 270 hitter or something like that. And Adam Frazier's like, how dare you believe in me? Like, how dare you? It's, I'm insulted that you would believe in me. I'm going to hit 230. I'm going to be about as effective as Clint Frazier of the Yankees. You know what I mean? This year, that's how bad Adam Frazier has been. And it's annoying. And I don't want to hate the guy too much. As you guys know, longtime listeners, I don't like to get too mad uh, in the point of just saying that guys aren't trying and all this stuff. But I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not frustrated by the way he's been playing. And I think that the truth is in the numbers there. You know, I think that it's it, look, I wrote about Manny Machado recently and how since the start of 2020, he's been one of the better stars in all of baseball. He's been elite. He's had good defense. But he, let me tell you, the timing of my article at Just Baseball, probably not the best timing uh, because he has not been good lately uh, since July 30th. The numbers just do not lie. Now, he's not terrible, but the 288 on base percentage, it's just frustrating. And if you guys are wondering how Tatis has been, he's not really qualified for looking at the numbers in full since July 30th because he did only just come back over the weekend. So some people are complaining. Oh, someone tweeted at me saying, like, he struck out four times in the game. I'm like, well, he did get the big hit. He did tie the game uh, in, in, in Thursday's game. So, like, he does deserve that. And he's also just coming back. Some people... I've been talking to you are wondering, is it possible that he just looks tired, that he looks sad, that the outfield is 
maybe d- decreasing his morale. He looks sad out there or whatever. It's possible, but I also think he's forcing it a little bit too much at the plate to start. He's trying a little bit too hard to yeet every single ball out of the ballpark. And while he very much can, there's just been moments, and he's clearly frustrated. You love the passion from Tatis, but he's clearly frustrated. And the way that this team has been performing lately, it makes me, this is kind of my take of the podcast, you know, is that I actually think it's, I'm wondering if AJ Preller kind of knew that this team was not playing well against teams below 500. They have the worst like record against teams below 500 in the league. Um, they used to have, if, if not for the sweep, one of the best records against above 500 teams in the league. But I think AJ Preller might have looked at this team and said, I don't want to give up all this stuff for a team that I'm not even certain is going to be able to keep up the pace. Because while they do have a lot of stars, I think that Machado, Tatis, Musgrove, Cronenworth are about as clean, like, unblameable as possible. But other than that, they just don't have... And and forgive me for using Yankees analogies. Everyone who knows Yankees are my background. What can I say? They've been a lot... lot, They're on the TV a lot in the Reyes household because they've also been playing well. The Yankees, a big part of their success is they have these random guys who aren't being stars necessarily for them. But they just have these guys that are kind of stepping up. They have Tyler Wade. Decent on-base guy. No power whatsoever. But he's in 260, 340, 350 on-base. Like, that's not amazing numbers, especially since he has no power. But it's just a little bit of something. You know, it's just a little bit of a booster. A guy who can kind of just get you a hit every now and then. Even Runetto Door. Even Brett Gardner. My beloved Brett Gardner. I saw a couple days ago. Uh, for the month, he'd been batting 290 with a 400 on base. He is Has he been good all season? No. But at least like when they needed him to, they, he's kind of been a really good player. Kind of the Brett Gardner of old. And you look at the Padres and some of their bench guys, like I mentioned before, Hassan Kim. Look, I don't think we blame Hassan Kim enough. It is so frustrating, and it goes to show you a cautionary tale about KBO stats. I'm wondering if, and I think that it's actually in his contract that he has to play at the major league level. He's being paid to be a major leaguer. But Hassan Kim, basically for all of this season, with the exception of his incredible glove over at short, he looks like a guy that absolutely should be getting some reps in the minors. Absolutely. He looks really scared at the plate oftentimes. At one point, he looked like he was figuring it out. And while he is you know, not a amazing hitter. I was just hoping that maybe he was figuring it out. But he does have a pull percentage that's way too high. It's at like 49.6%, which is, let's just say at 50%, it's considered extremely high. If most of your balls are hit on the, not on the ground, but if you're pulling most of the balls, and that's what he does, he just looks really uncomfortable up there at the plate. And while I did think that there was a point in which there was some momentum building in that aspect, it's just basically gone. Jerks and Profar, while not a huge investment, They signed him basically thinking that he could replicate what he did in the 60-game sample size last year, and it's something that he had never really done before, and they did it anyway. It's really frustrating. Now, I'm not going to say that my pick for who the Padres should have signed last year, Brad Miller, who's had not the best season. He's had some good moments for the Phillies, but he hasn't been that great. The reason why I wanted him is because I thought he actually would have cost less, and he could play a bunch of different positions as well and play them pretty well. Uh, So that was one thing of why I wanted Brad Miller, but it's just kind of been... Really frustrating for Eric Hosmer, and Hassan Kim has just been a bit of a bust. I wish he could get some reps in the minors, because I actually think that would really help him. But I'm not sure if he ever will. And that's frustrating. And then you have Adam Frazier, who's just been a total bust for the team. And I'm not convinced that they, you know, that he's going to get better. He might have just been this. And I, I compared him on Twitter to Mitch Moreland of last year, where we basically bought high on this bat. We got trigger happy um, after trading for Clevenger and traded for Austin Nola, where we were like, all right, how about this? We're going to trade for Mitch Moreland, who was just un- 
characteristically good for the Red Sox as a DH that last year. And then they brought him in, he wasn't all that good. But he did have a couple hits, but for the most part, he just wasn't that effective for the Padres. And then this year, it's kind of the same. They bought high on a guy who had never really shown numbers like this before in his career. And somewhat predictably, he's regressed tremendously. Thankfully, they didn't give up that much for Adam Frazier. That is one positive note. But it's still frustrating, man. It's still frustrating that they have nobody who can just be a boost, man. Ryan Weathers, since I, I think if, if be, aside from let's ignore the 16 inning game when he made a, a brief appearance, uh, since uh, July 30th, his ERA is 14.26. They're just getting killed. They, the biggest problem with the Padres is that their bad players are bad. Excuse me for the elementary kind of language there, but basically they don't have guys who are just being, eh, you're okay. You know, they need more Will Myers types. They need guys that are just going to be eh, fun, you know, to make up for the fact that a lot of their star players are in a bunch of slumps and or injured in the case of Tatis. But they're just not doing that. And it makes me think AJ Preller might have said, I see all this coming. I did not want to do that trade that was being reported by Kevin Acey, if I'm not mistaken, that basically that they wanted CJ Abrams in return for like Kyle Gibson for any of the trades they wanted to do if we want to offload that Eric Hosmer contract. And my response is, I definitely wouldn't do that whatsoever. And I'm going to get back to uh, the the stuff in a second, because I've actually spent a lot of time on this second segment. So let me just take one brief second, guys, to talk to you about something very important. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back to the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one sport for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo as well, which equals make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. And of course, like I said, they're the best place to go. Let me tell you guys, the best way, fastest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, including not just football, but baseball, obviously, basketball, boxing, UFC, MMA. They got you covered, man. So go to Bet Online, guys. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. And I was just about to talk about prospects and trading and stuff. And let me talk about that real quick. First, let's talk about the the legend trade that I was just getting into. Sorry for cutting off so so quickly. But, hey, you got to get the ads in there. You know what I'm saying? Um, the reporters that basically they were asking for our top guy, C.J. Abrams, which I definitely wouldn't have done, especially if we did not get Joey Gallo in return. Joey Gallo, who has been not insanely good for the Yankees but even while he's had those moments where he's you know has those like three strikeout games doesn't get any hits and all that he's had big hits for the Yankees with home runs and he's also played an incredible glove in right field like one of the best in the league at first don't go look this up I actually and for the record I totally like went against this I don't know why uh, a friend of mine talked me out of wanting Joey Gallo on the Padres but I basically said that I wouldn't want to trade for him because I thought it would cost too much if this reported deal of sending Abrams and Hosmer for Kyle Gibson was the possibility, then I absolutely think A.J. Prowler was right. If it was reported that you would send um, C.J. Abrams and Eric Hosmer in exchange for Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson, that's a little bit more understandable, right? That's a little bit more of a deal that's interesting. But remember, C.J. Abrams is one of the best prospects in baseball. Like, this guy is probably going to make his debut at some point next year. And considering that they're trying out Tatis in the outfield, I could see it. 
I could see them saying, we're moving Tatis to the outfield. That way we can get C.J. Abrams some reps in there. And or maybe there's going to be a D.H. Uh, situation. Maybe the D.H. will come in and make things a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe Cronenworth can move to first base, allowing C.J. Abrams to play a second and then Tatis back at shortstop. Something along those lines, right? So maybe that's what they're, they're aiming for. But I don't think I would necessarily do that deal. But you look at a team like the Yankees, like, look at how many moves they made. And even when those guys haven't been amazing, the team just seems juiced up. So it just shows you that sometimes buying at the deadline does pay dividends. But I also want to point out that giving up your prospects, giving up your ammo. And here's the analogy that I made the other day. If anybody's ever been to Godiva Chocolates, they have these, like, starfish shaped candies. They're filled with, like, jelly chocolate. Sorry if I'm making anybody super hungry right now, but they, they're really good. And basically, the Padres Farb system is kind of like if you had a giant candy basket and you ate all the candies except for those those starfish, right? They're so good. They're elite level uh, candies and all that. But they're all you have left. That's kind of the situation the Padres Farm system is in, where they just don't have quantity anymore. They certainly have quality with guys like Luis Campizano, who could be the catcher of the future. Although, granted, Austin Nola is looking pretty okay at the plate, I must say. And then you could you have guys like C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, who's still a wildcard, we'll talk about in just one second. And then you have Robert Hassel. Robert Hassel is definitely the prospect I would be most willing to trade just because I think his floor is extremely, extremely high based on everything I've heard and everyone I've talked to. Granted, I'm not a scout or anything, but it seems like he's a guy that's going to be a solid major leaguer, which is good. I would take a solid major leaguer right now, but he's just not – he's very far from reaching that. He's still young. We just drafted him not too, rec- uh, not too long ago at last year's MLB draft. But basically, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is like I actually think it's okay that A.J. Preller decided I need to keep some bullets – I need to keep some ammo. I need to have some potential. You don't want to invest all in on one season. Because then you find yourself in a situation where there's a dark future in which the only guy that's like, it's like Tatis and Cronenworth, you know, three years from now. Now, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think they'll figure something out. But, you know, Machado isn't going to get any younger. You know what I'm saying? Especially with those numbers he's shown since July 30th. It makes you wonder, like, ah, crap, did Javier Reyes, his Just Baseball article, like, is it about to age extremely poorly? It might. It might, let me tell you, one of the things about uh, Manny Machado this year is that I kind of, like, he's been very good in terms of a total package, like, star this year, but he hasn't had that stretch where he's like, screw all of you, I'm the best third baseman in baseball. You know what I mean? He hasn't had that rampage that some other players have had, you know, and that's the thing about him that's not hasn't been all that great. He hasn't had many moments, you know, it reminds me a lot of his 2019 season. Now, his 2019 season was definitely worse than what he is right now. Batting average was a lot lower. Patience at the plate. He could not hit any breaking stuff for some reason, which was very odd. But this year, it's just kind of like, it feels a little, a little like the stats feel empty. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. I defend the guy until I die, but I'm just saying, I really wish Machado could go on a rampage. In fairness, I think that he was about to have a great moment this week uh, until AJ Pollock robbed him of a home run. But nonetheless, we need more from Manny Machado. And, you know, on the stat of Mackenzie Gore, I guess we should talk about. Now, I didn't talk about this when it first came out, but he made his first kind of start, his first kind of baseball action in a while uh, last week. Um, he allowed one earned run on two hits and a walk while striking out eight across four and two-thirds innings, uh, which was cool. The Peroria Padres of the Arizona Complex League. So it was, it was nice. It wasn't the same incredible competition you get at AAA level, but even still, it was nice to just see him kind of get back in there and just have a good appearance. But most importantly, and one of the things that a lot of prospects and analysts are talking about is that Mackenzie Gore has this leg kick when he pitches that was just gone when he was pitching. So 
Don't call it a comeback, ladies and gentlemen. Mackenzie Gore, as some people have to at me, they should have they should have traded him, and he's he's a bust. And my thing is, he might be a bust, but if you traded him now, this is a guy who was a top five, top six prospect, basically seven months ago, more or less. And if you traded him now, you would be selling exceptionally low on players that you might only be able to keep for another two years. So if the Padres are playing really well at the deadline, that if they were looking like the, the Giants, like what the Giants record is right now, then maybe I'd be like, okay, let's ship this guy and let's go for it. Maybe AJ Power was like, I don't like that we have two teams ahead of us in the standings, and I don't like that we should go all in this year. Maybe we need to keep some of our ammo reserved for next year and retool. We'll get Mike Clevenger back. Tommy Pham will be off the books. Maybe we can sign a free agent. Hey, another thing, by the way, one thing I was right about, I wasn't right about the the not wanting to trade for Joey Gallo because Joey Gallo is very good, but Robbie Grossman, man, underrated player for the Tigers. If you could get him on like a low-end deal or something like that, that'd be a nice decent replacement. Not a great plus defender, but good power that will play better in a, in a ballpark that isn't Detroit and really great on base skills in the top five of um, plate discipline across the league in terms of chasing pitches outside the zone. He does not do that. Same thing with Tommy Pham. I know that Tommy Pham's a little bit of a curse name now, but you get what I'm saying. So that's how I feel about it. I think Mackenzie Gore still has incredible upside and trading him after not too long ago being declared the best pitching prospect in baseball. I know he struggled, but if this leg kick thing is le- is legit, and we start seeing more of an improvement and more of his minor league starts, that's at least something to look forward to. And maybe he can make an impact towards the latter half of uh, next year's season. And, I, and that does still mean something, guys. It does. Um, even if it is frustrating how much of an improvement the San Francisco Giants have had. And I don't know. I was optimistic that this was a, that was a team that was more built to go all in for this year. But they just re-signed Brandon Crawford. I, I imagine they're probably going to try and re-sign Chris Bryant, who's been pretty good for them. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's looking really dark, and it's just it's a combination of unlucky kind of developments, but also just not playing all that well and just looking like they shouldn't have spent. They should have just ran into this season, and I don't even know. The only thing that I'm, you can hope for as a Padres fan at this point is they somehow managed to go on a genuine historic tear or you accept that they're probably not making the playoffs. We got a retool for next year, and you just hope that guys like Blake Snell start to look better and that Fernando Tatis Jr. can just kind of pad his stats a little bit more and go for that MVP award. Which, let me tell you, with how bad the Pirates have been, if they finish third and miss the playoffs, it's not inconceivable that that goes to someone like Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, guys like that, instead of you know Tatis. So we'll see how it all plays out, guys. Before we wrap things up, officially, let me tell you that betting on the Padres... Betting on any baseball team, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Guys, in terms of next week, going to be recapping on Monday. It was supposed to be a chat with Brett McGuire of Locked on Angels, who actually, go check him out. It's his last podcast that he's doing for Locked on Angels. I was supposed to talk to him, but didn't have a chance to have him on. Maybe I'll have someone on on, on Monday or Tuesday to talk about this Angel series, but for now, you can look forward to that. Then we have a D-back series coming up. And then, of course, next week, we have the Astros. So we're probably going to have an, a, a, a crossover with the Astros guys or something like that. So at least it's a team to look forward to. Whether you like it or not, the Astros are a team to talk about. You know what I mean? They definitely spill drama in every kind of way. You know, I mean, it's frustrating how good they've been, but still, 
it should be a, uh, a cool series, I guess, to look forward to. Hey, the last time we played the Astros was fun. It gave us one of the best moments of the season with Tatis' game-tying home run. So we'll see. Maybe that'll spark the team in some way. Um, and also, guys, want to just plug – I'm going to probably uh, drop it in the uh, – the podcast description, you know about my Manny Machado piece, but now I just wrote like a little silly uh, 2021 alternative awards. Uh, not your MVP awards or whatever, but dumb stuff like the Golden Acorn Award, the, you know, all these made up awards that I came up with for unwritten rule breakers and the Weirdo Award and all this fun stuff for just baseball. I think you might enjoy. Just take your mind off the Padres for a little bit. I'll link it in the description. I thought it was pretty fun and people seem to like it. So uh, check that out. But with that all being said, that about does it. For today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves, remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Be sure to send me some five-star reviews of the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, and if you want, send a question in the review uh, section, and I'm guaranteed to answer that question on the show. going to be starting to ramp up for a mailbag potentially next Friday, uh, so be sure to do that. Be sure to follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.